You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back, everyone. I am your host, Samantha Chris, and today I am joined by Sean Johal. Sean co-founded Dow's Lighting, an LED lighting business in 2009. He implemented the Scaling Up Growth System and led the company to three times its revenues, well into the eight figures. Sean then went on to found Elevation, a business growth coaching firm, working with entrepreneurs and their teams to accelerate their growth, while helping them find personal balance and happiness. Sean is the author of The Happy Leader, a leadership fable about transformation in business and life. He provides a happiness roadmap for his readers and clients, teaching them how to achieve both happiness and success. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. You are truly someone in my network that I admire, that I look up to, and that I really feel changes at the forefront of everything that you do. That is too generous. It's funny that you're saying that because I look up to you for everything that you've accomplished with your book and your <laughs> podcast. So I guess it's just a mutually appreciating each other. <laughs> I love it. You just don't believe in change though. You're on a mission to help people transform themselves through habits, mindset, and discipline. Why are those the fundamentals of change in your opinion? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. You know, what I've noticed is that most people um, live their life basically day to day, hour to hour, not really being intentional about what they mm. do. And so, you know, when I ask people, you know, what are your routines? What do you do on a day to day basis to develop yourself, to grow personally and professionally? I, you know, get kind of blank faces when I, when I ask that question. And so for me, I'm really obsessed with getting people to do what I call habit hacking, which is really changing uh, the way they see their lives, the way they wake up, the routines, the things they do on a day to day basis. Uh, same thing before going to sleep. Uh, you know, I see so many terrible routines, pre-sleep terrible routines that I want people to to work on and to understand that you know what they do at night is going to be a direct result of how they feel the next day. Um, so for me, I think it's really important that people do what I like to call you know the law of self-awareness, which is really taking a look in the mirror and saying, okay, am I living to my full potential, and what are the small steps I can do right away to take things in the right direction? Okay, you just shared. A few golden nuggets there. I want to drill into one deeper. You talked about habit hacking. And so for those who aren't familiar with it, what is it and how can we hack our habits to set our future self up for success? Absolutely. So habits are a very interesting thing. It's incredibly difficult to change bad habits. And at the same time, it's incredibly difficult to take on new habits. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the world is a little against us when it comes to habits. And so we really have to be disciplined and work hard at it. There's been numerous studies that say 21 days is the real number. A recently study came out saying it's 66 days for us to take on a new habit. And you can imagine, Samantha, trying to do something for 66 days in a row is a daunting task for many. Um, So I think you got to take it in bite-sized pieces. So the key to start is to really look at all of the habits that you have in your life, good or bad. And I like to suggest people write these down. Okay, Just make a list. Okay, on the left side of the page, put all your good habits. On the right side of the page, which unfortunately might be a little longer, you want to put all your bad habits. And you want to just see all the things that you're doing right now that are not bringing value to your life, bringing value to your energy, and allowing you to be the best version of yourself. 
Once you've determined that, you want to go by a process of elimination, obviously, is you want to eliminate a couple of the really, really bad habits that you might have. And we all have them. You know, I'm not on this podcast pretending I'm perfect by any means. You know, we all have certain <laughs> bad habits. Uh, and then, you know, in bite-sized pieces, really saying, okay, what is, let's say, just say one new habit I could take on for the next week and that I'm going to do every single day for seven days in a row. And it should be something really small, digestible, easy to do that you know you won't skip. Uh, and then once you can integrate that into your life and you start seeing the benefits of it, while you continue that one, you can start to integrate a second habit. And that's how you start ha- you know, hacking your habits by one, you know, one per week, eliminating a bad one, once per week, bringing in a new one and taking it from there. I love this approach because, and I talk about it similarly in the real goal methodology, when I talk about actionable steps, I often recommend that people start with things they know they will succeed at, that they know that they are good at. And I suggest this because when we're starting something new, when we're stepping forward in, you know, direction that is foreign to us, when there's a little bit of fear accompanying a choice, I find it easier when we start to see success early. And if we do something that we're really confident in and we build, we kind of flex those confident muscles as we go, then we can start to explore some of the things that seem a little more daunting, that seem a little scarier. They're a little bigger, either in size or in energy. And I love that you're saying, start with something easy because then we can build the momentum. Absolutely. I'm hundred percent aligned with you. You have to start small. It's, I see so many people, you know, they wake up and, okay, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm like, okay, have you ran a kilometer before? And they're like, no, <laughs> never, never ran. I'm just going to go do a marathon. And then, you know, after practicing a couple of weeks, they get injured and then that's the end of it. You know, um, I, I give one example of something that can be so small that you could do to start your days. You know, every single day when I wake up and, you know, this might sound funny to some, but this is what I do. I, and my mentor taught me this. I just sit on the side of my bed and I think to myself, okay, what is my intention for the day? Just literally, instead of just getting up, checking my phone, going immediately downstairs, it's just, okay, what's my intention today? Am I at home with my family? Do I have more of a business day when I'm working with clients? Whatever it is, pick that one intention for the day. So let's give you an example. Let's say I really want to be in the present moment because I've been feeling distracted lately. Okay, so my intention for that day is going to be to be in the present moment. And then I like to go through the seven-step process uh, that really hits a lot of emotional cords that we have as humans. And so those seven steps start with safety, right? Because safety is the number one human need without any debate. And so you can say to yourself, it is safe to be in the present moment. Step two is that it's easy to be in the present moment. Step three is I can be in the present moment. Step four is I accept to be in the present moment. Step five is that I deserve to be in the present moment. Step six is I am ready for the present moment. And then step seven is I am in the present moment. And so you go through those seven steps and just really focusing on only one intention for your day. And when you do that, it really changes your mindset because now you're starting your day off and you're saying to yourself, okay, the present moment, that's what I'm focusing on for today. And it should sneak back up in multiple times when you get distracted or when you find yourself not listening properly or trying to do emails and talk to someone at the same time, which a lot of us try to do. Uh, It'll just help reframe all of it. So powerful. I want to know how you are able to kind of overcome hurdles. So, for example, if you have set an intention that you're not 
fully bought into or you haven't fully convinced yourself of? And what if you get to the point where you're saying, I am worthy and you start to say, well, am I really? Or in any of them, right? Like what happens if you get snagged on one of those seven steps and how do you move past it? Yeah, it's a it's an absolutely great question. I think we we spend so much time doubting ourselves as human beings. It's really crazy. Uh, there's two things that we do a lot of. We doubt ourselves and we worry what what people think of us. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this comes from, you know. And we're all guilty again. I'm as guilty as the next one of you know that perception thing and really worrying um, and and putting pressure on ourselves. Right? It's as if we failed. Um, I think what you have to take on is a mentality of. WTF, which I learned from, you know, our good friends over at 1-800-GOT-JUNK and Brian Scudamore, you know, he taught us that concept last year where he put as a company theme, WTF doesn't stand for what most people think it is. It's willing to fail Mm. is the concept that he came up with. And when we go into these types of exercises, anything that we do on a day-to-day basis, and we tell ourselves that, you know what, I'm willing to fail. And if I do fail, it's an amazing thing. Um, it really changes the perspective you have on stuff. So really at that point, when you start doubting yourself, you can just say to yourself, okay, wait, I'm failing at this exact moment. Awesome. Perfect. How can I move on from it and go to the next step? You know, and I'd really, really loved hearing a story from the uh, Spanx founder who had explained that at the dinner table every single night, her father would ask her and her brother what they failed at that day. And mm-hmm. they needed to explain to him something that they failed at every single day. And then he would celebrate their failures of that day. And she said that it completely shaped the incredible entrepreneur she is today. So I think it's more of a mentality of saying to ourselves, you know what, I'm allowed to fail. I am going to fail once in a while. And if I have doubts and it's, you know, setting me in that direction, well, I'm accepting it and I'm good with it. I mean, I really love the example that you gave. And I think it's a core component because accepting it alone, I'm not sure if it's enough because it's, it's easy for us to say, sure, failed. I I did this. Awesome. No problem. I'm going to learn. I'm going to get better. But without the action, without putting it into practice of how are you going to get better from this point forward, and and you know the Spanx example is a great one, is that it was engaged with daily at the dinner table. And I think that the mindset of embracing failure is super important. But what are you actually doing in your life to to show yourself a proof, a, like kind of a proof of concept that it is indeed okay to fail? And I'm not just saying that I accept it, but that I am seeing tangibly that life goes on after this moment. Absolutely. Exactly. And you know what? It was a habit, right? It was a exactly. habit that the father developed. So that was on top of it. There's a double bonus right there. Where double bonus. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think in 2021, it's something really important that we need to look at. You know, I think we've heard this a lot. People are protecting their kids way too much. Uh, you know, we spend way too much time worrying about how perception affects us, social media. Um, you know, I think it's very dangerous. I think that people are not embracing failure the way it needs to be embraced. Mm-hmm. Failure, you know, when I, and I tell people that, you know, and you were, we were talking, we were laughing about an old post that I put up there just saying that, you know, 2020 was a year of failure for me. And people are like, Sean, it wasn't a year of failure. I'm like, it was like, I failed at at least a dozen things, but it's perfect. That failure led me back to having more focus for 2021. And it's amazing. And I'm good with it. And don't worry, I'm not sitting in a little ball crying on my bed. Like I'm good to go. You know? <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. So you're not only a change maker in the world, you are a change seeker. And your weapons of choice, if you will, are meditation and visualization. How have you leveraged those tools to spark change in your own life? So the first thing I do want to mention is that I still think shockingly in 2021, people give meditation a bad rap. 
And it's still mm. associated with spirituality um, and almost like a surreal experience, which is only reserved for certain people who, you know, are trying to, to get in touch with some type of an inner self or, you know, uh, the, the uh, an upper feeling in the universe or something crazy like that. And it's really not about that. I explain to people meditation is the absolute number one free superpower every human being has to achieve incredible focus and alignment. Like it's the number one thing that we have that doesn't cost us anything except our time. And it doesn't cost us time, it's an investment. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important for the listeners to understand that you know, my view on meditation is that you have a superpower, like going to the gym, working out, like eating super healthy. Meditation literally, scientifically, brings you the same benefits as doing those things. Mm. Reduce blood pressure, you know, modifications in your genes. Like it's just incredible what it does to the brain, gray matter, you know, gratitude, appreciation, what those do to the chemicals being released in the body. And so if people can understand that and the reason for doing it, I think that's really, really important. Um, for me, meditation is something that has become an absolute must on a day-to-day -day basis. And I always recommend people try to do, it's better to do five minutes per day than to do 15 minutes, you know, twice per week or 20 minutes twice per week. If you can get, get into that habit of doing it every single day, that's where you'll see the real differences. And it really serves to still the mind. You know, it's uh, like Ryan Holiday says in his book, stillness is the key. You know, I really think that if we can limit the distractions, we're never going to be able to stop it. Our minds are busy and there's always going to be things going on. But if we can limit how distracted our brains are, we're going to have so much more opportunity to accomplish our goals. We really, really will um, by having that added focus and that added, you know, alignment with uh, our, our ourselves. So for me, meditation has been a very powerful tool. And I was incredibly lucky to learn visualization at 14 years old. Um, basically, what happened was that at 14, I had a soccer coach who really believed in, in visualization. He was a true believer. He was a true, true inspirational person and figure in my life. And uh, this coach, what he did is two years in advance, he assembled a team and said, we're going to win a national championship in two, in two years. And everybody was freaking out. What do you mean? We're going to win a national championship. You know, we're not at that level. And he said, we're going to visualize it. We're going to practice visualization. We're going to do the right things. And we're going to get this accomplished. And he used to make us show up. And we we're like 15, 16 years old. He, made, he used to make us show up two and a half hours before every game to the soccer field, which is crazy for a bunch of young, you know, horny <laughs> boys, right? Like, it's just like unthinkable. And he would make us take off our socks and cleats and he would make us walk around the field for 45 minutes. And he would say, I just want you to visualize how well you're going to play today, what's going to happen during the game, you know, what you're going to accomplish, uh, how you're going to be the best teammate, how you're going to be the best player on the field possible. And we would do that before every single game. Wow. And we did win a national championship that year against all odds. We were absolutely underdogs, especially when we got to the final and played the best team in Canada. And uh, we were able to, to, to win that game because of that visualization. So I've taken visualization with me in everything that I do. And I even try to get entrepreneurs and business leaders to do that. When we do our, our business growth coaching, I try to get them to not only visualize you know, what they want to accomplish from a, a goal standpoint, but I actually try to have them do kind of a painted picture of it to actually see it in their mind's eye of what it's going to look like for them in those three years or five years or 10 years down the line when they accomplish something great. 
Oh, that's incredible. And you've poured this knowledge and so much more into your new book, The Happy Leader, that has come out this week. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. And I really want to thank you because you helped me tremendously along the way when I was starting the editing process and all that. And you gave me so many great tips. So I'm super grateful to you. Oh, us authors, we got to stick together. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> so in the book, you share how we can implement change to find true happiness in our lives. And you believe that this is possible for every single person. So to help us on our pursuit of happiness, you introduce the laws of happiness. Can you share what those are with us today? Yes, absolutely. So um, probably need another five hours to go over all the details. But, uh, <laughs> I'll definitely uh, take us through the a uh, couple of the, the laws and the way it works. So, um, you know, when I started writing the book, I, by the way, I started writing this book eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, somewhat traumatizing to think about that, <laughs> how long it actually took to write this book. Um, you know, the, the reason I wrote the book was that I was an entrepreneur who wasn't overly happy on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I was realizing that I was lacking something in my life, even though our business was doing well. And I was spending a lot of time with other entrepreneurs and those other entrepreneurs were also really unhappy. And I started thinking to myself, this is really weird because everybody that I know, a lot of people tell me they want to be entrepreneurs, but mm -hmm. then the entrepreneurs that I know all seem really unhappy. <laughs> So I'm like, what is that correlation and what is going on there? And so um, I put this book together to, to really help people deal with that stress and that anxiety and understand that there's a different way of doing things. So the number one law is the law of self-awareness. And what the law of self-awareness is all about is understanding that before you can do anything, before you can grow a business, before you can help other people, before you can hire the best talent, before you can develop uh, you know, the, the people around you, you have to look inwards and see what it is that you're needing to fix personally, right? So are you self-aware? And you know that starts again with meditation as we spoke about a little bit earlier, which is very important. It comes down to the art of listening. So you know, as human beings, we have a really, really difficult time listening. As a matter of fact, I think maybe 95% of people don't listen. Really truly listen where you're not just trying to answer like where you're really, really listening to what the other person has to say, uh, it's incredibly rare. And uh, the third part of that first law is really based on what I call circular reciprocation, which is based on the idea that, you know, what are you doing to pay forward? Because um, it always comes back, right? And that's the whole circular concept of karma. You know, are you doing the right things out there to make sure that, um, you know, you're bringing the right type of energy and kindness into the world and being the best version of yourself for others? and then knowing that that'll come back to you. So I think mm -hmm. self-awareness is the absolute key. And that's why that's the first law. Amazing. So self-awareness broken down into three kind of core components and how you can materialize that in your life or really take action on it. How many laws are there? So there's four laws. So law number two is the law of self-improvement. So now you're aware, right? So you have the law of self-awareness, you made yourself aware, you know what the heck's going on and you know what needs to be fixed and you've started taking some small steps towards it. Now we get into the law of self-improvement. What are you gonna do very specifically to improve yourself uh, to be that next level human being? And so um, as you can see a thread here, there's three components of that second law as well. Uh, the first component being what I call barrier breaking. So I've noticed that most human beings we put barriers on ourselves. So no one, they might come from our childhood. It might come from other people around us, but for some reason we put barriers 
um, that limit us. So self-limiting barriers, self-limiting beliefs. So it's about getting by those and really putting in place what I call, you know, a stretch goal for yourself. And that changes for every individual person. The one stretch goal for you, Samantha, is not going to be the same stretch goal for me, right? They're going to mm-hmm. be different depending on our skill sets and our abilities. And so you want to put a, a goal out there that will force you to break the mental barriers that you've put for yourself. Step number two is habit hacking, which we already spoke about. So really changing all your habits, routines, your nutrition, your technology intake, your the way you use your time. And then finally is what I call mental mapping, which is, again, that idea of the visualization and everything you do with that. So that's the law number two, which is the law of self-improvement. And then we can jump right into law number three, which is what I call the law of self-giving. And so the law of self-giving, as it sounds, uh, people don't know that word very much, self-giving. You know, it's not a word that's commonly used. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look it up, self-giving means of you giving of yourself to others. Okay, that's what self-giving really means. It doesn't mean giving to yourself. It means giving to others. And so the law of self-giving is all about what a concept I learned from in this incredible uh, book called The Dream Manager. Uh, I like to call it dream facilitation. So can you help a loved one around you, a good friend, a colleague, achieve their own dreams and goals? And what can you do to facilitate that? Because we all have certain skills and resources and connections. And if we use them the right way, we could probably help some people you know, achieve their own goals. Absolutely. Then there's the concept of gift giving, which is really about ensuring on a day-to-day basis that you're gifting someone every single day. And by the way, that's not material, right? You can gift someone by just sending them a one-line email telling them they're an epic human being. One of my friends just did that to me recently. You know, he sent me an email and it was just, hey, Sean, I want to tell you how awesome you are. Like, you know, <laughs> I love it made that. Me, yeah, it made me feel so good, Samantha. Like, I was, it was such a little thing, but I was like, wow, like, this makes me feel really, really good. So, you know, are you giving back on a day-to-day basis? And then the third concept, which is a concept which has taken me a long, long, long time to figure out and is something that um, I think is one of the biggest components of the book is called the time anger gap. Mm. And the time anger gap is the time it takes between being angry to not being angry anymore. Okay. So let's say something really bad happens in your life. Okay. Or it doesn't be really bad. It could even be, you know, someone cuts you off or you get into an accident that wasn't your fault or, you know, your boss screams at you or a client, you know, treats you really badly. That that's, that starts the timer. So now the timer is started and you're angry, right? You're mad. But if you think about it, right, Sam, you're going to get over it. Like you're going to get over it at one point. We for sure. Do. Right. Yeah. You're going to get over it. Is it going to take a week? A month, a lifetime, uh, you know, a few hours. Like, well, how long is it going to take you to get over it? Why can't that time be a minute? Mm-hmm. Why can't that time be a second? You know, and that I really learned from the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama was interviewed once, and the interviewer asked him and said, uh, "Mr. Dalai Lama, how is it that you're never mad? Like, you have such an incredible control in your emotions. You're never upset." And he laughed so hard. And he said to the reporter, he said, you know what? How can you think I'm never upset? I see poverty. I see terrible, I see slavery still going on in the world. I see murder, death, war every single day of my life. And they make me incredibly angry, but I'm able to get over my anger quickly and look for solutions. Mm. And so for me, the time anger gap is probably, I'd say the, the most important concept in the book. 
that's such a good lesson for everyone to practice because there's always something that will go on in our day or our week that'll just kind of send us on this downward spiral, put us in a bit of a funk. And so I think just identifying the concept of the anchor gap and recognizing that it is well within our control to shorten that gap and to go about choosing a happier state of being for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week, or, or however long that period would have been is incredibly valuable. I'm going to pause you before we get into the fourth law, and I'm going to have to encourage listeners to go buy the book to figure out what that fourth law is. Where can we find it? What's the easiest way to get our hands on a copy? The easiest way is right on Amazon. If you just go on Amazon, you'll find the book there, The Happy Leader. It's the only book named that way, thank God. And, <laughs> uh, so you can just, you'll go there and you'll see the book right away. It's got a black cover with gold writing. Can you, in the last few seconds of this episode, share one thing we can implement today, right after this show ends, to be a happier leader? So I mentioned it just a little bit earlier, but I would say this. If you can take on a gratitude practice, and when I say gratitude, one easy way of doing it is for seven days in a row, just one per, one person per day, send them an email telling them why you appreciate them. Just for seven days in a row, seven people, one person per day, it's gonna take you approximately two to three minutes, so no, almost no time out of your day, send that person an email telling them why you appreciate them, why they're so awesome, why you appreciate having them in your life, and just see how it makes them feel and just see how it makes you feel. Oh, wonderful. Sean, where can people follow you to learn more about the book, about your journey, about your consulting services and anything else you've got coming up? Absolutely. So you can go to uh, Amazon for the book. You can go to LinkedIn. Uh, you and I spend a lot of time there hanging out on LinkedIn. So, we do. Uh, you know, at Sean Joel uh, on LinkedIn, you'll find that I'm very, very active and spending a lot of time there. And then you can go to my website. Uh, I have two different websites, elevationcoach.ca or seanjohal.com. You'll find uh, a lot of info there as well. Wonderful. I will be sure to link all of those in the show notes. Everyone get your hands on a copy of the happy leader dropped this week. You don't want to miss it. Sean, thank you so much once again for being on with us today. Thank you, Samantha. I really, really appreciate it. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe. So you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.